Welcome back to See, Hear, Feel. Today, I am with Dr. Allison McGregor. Dr. Allison McGregor is a women's health pioneer and expert in sex and gender differences in acute medical care. She was a professor of emergency medicine at the Warren Alpert Medical School of Brown University and is currently the Associate Dean of Faculty Affairs and Development and Professor of Emergency Medicine at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Greenville. Dr. McGregor is also a co-founder for the national organization Sex and Gender Women's Health Collaborative. She has a TEDx talk called Why Medicine Often Has Dangerous Side Effects for Women, and that TED Talk currently has over 1.7 million views. She has over 90 peer-reviewed publications in scientific journals on the topic of sex and gender, and is also the lead editor for the medical textbook, Sex and Gender in Acute Care Medicine, published by Cambridge University Press in 2016. So thank you very much to Allison for being here with me today. Thank you, Christine. This is really, really wonderful. I love the concept of your podcast, so I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Can you tell me something about who you are that your biography doesn't illuminate? Ooh. (laughs) Well, you know what's really interesting is when I think about what I've focused my career on, it really is a, a combination of my true feminism and my uh, value system around women and medicine and health. And it, it's been such a wonderful opportunity for me to blend all of that together into this fulfilling career. So other than that, I would say I'm more of an introvert and I like to stay home and do yoga and play with my dogs. I'm an introvert too, so I relate to that. And I love that you can blend multiples of your passions and what you do. Can you define sex versus gender as it applies to what you do? Absolutely. So sex is a biological variable. So when we talk about such things as the biological sex, it's really about the DNA, the sex chromosomes. So we, you know, when the sperm meets the egg, you get either XX or XY for the most part. And our understanding of the effects of that throughout our lifetime have really not been a focus. We've thought that basically they decide whether you um, have testicles or ovaries and whether you have estrogen and testosterone, which gives you secondary sex characteristics, hair, breast growth, that sort of thing. And then that's really all we thought the the impact on of those uh, sex chromosomes but now we're understanding that they are in every cell in the body so they are in the heart cells in the coronary arteries and they affect the way that plaque is distributed between uh, males and females they are in our livers and our kidney function and affects our metabolism of drugs and so we're talking about really the dna cellular level we're talking about sex When we're referring to gender, it's really about a social cultural characteristic. It occurred to me when I listened to the TED Talk that when you talk about each cell actually truly having that XX or XY, that kind of sex sort of imprinted in the very DNA within that cell, since I am a dermatopathologist and I look at cells under the microscope, you know, mainly skin and skin related things. It's interesting to me because obviously, while I know that's true on a medical level, that that XXXY is in every cell, I cannot tell when I'm looking at a slide, if it's from a male or a female patient in general, unless it's a disease that is, you know, by far and away more common in a, you know, in, a, in someone with XY, generally someone with XY chromosomes would never have endometriosis, just not really 
possible physiologically, XX or XY is still there. I think that's really fascinating. Not all of the characteristics surrounding sex and or gender are visible. Components that affect health are impression that someone has a specific gender, but that's not how they identify internally. Sexual orientation, and that is not always visible, or race and ethnicity or age and disability. So these things um, are not always something that we could see. Can you give some examples of how bias based on sex or gender plays a role in diagnosis and misdiagnosis or diagnostic error? I think that bias is really at the crux of this issue. And what happened is that when we started really developing the scientific method and we started really counting on evidence-based medicine, where it was the point of time where women were considered a protected subject. So they were not enrolled. In, and so this was the time where we had our major cardiovascular trials, our major stroke trials, our understanding of cancer and, and sepsis. And so all of that really, that knowledge base was based on men, mostly white men, mostly young white men with stable testosterone levels. And we just assumed that we could use that um, information and care for everybody. So that's the research that we created. And then when you think about educating our future healthcare providers, that's the information that we used in medical school. And that's the information that we use in uh, residency and training. And we're, we're, you know, constantly trying to emulate our mentees and mentors and to really, you know, think, you know, spend a few moments with a patient and then try to recognize certain patterns of disease. And those, you know, that information, say cardiovascular disease, that pattern of disease was based on understanding how men present with a heart attack. And so, so there's this bias that's, that's really throughout the, the whole system from starting in research to the practice of medicine. But I think that the key here is awareness. So yes. once you can't unknow this is, is how I look at it. So the more we create awareness, the more we can stop our patterns just to check for our own biases. You know, hello, my name is Allison and I'm, I have biases. So we all have biases and just starting with your own name and saying that you are biased because we're brought up in a society, you know, where, where our family taught us certain things that may be biased or our education or our friends. And so I think just be being aware um, of our own bias is very important. And then also to be aware of when we're teaching and when we are, you know, carrying on you know, our, our educational points to people. It's like sort of like being in an AA meeting or something, right? I'm Christine and I have biases. It's true. I have so many biases that are from even just from when I grew up, I have biases even related to gender. Having been exploring metacognition and thinking about thinking and biases and the awareness that you mentioned, having awareness without judgment, without judging, without shaming my own self has been really helpful in increasing my awareness, I think. And that's why I've been working on this, trying to have conversations with experts such as yourself, because I still feel a certain amount of latent shame about it. My awareness is diluted by the fact that I just want, kind of want to run away from the problem. I think you bring up an incredible point. Part of my current position right now as Associate Dean of Clinical Faculty Affairs and Development at the School of Medicine Greenville 
is to really empower the faculty to feel as though they can address these issues, the older generation to really connect and feel comfortable. So I think it's really important to, to not feel shame, to be able to make mistakes. That was one of the things we did in our didactic about LGBT, that if you say the wrong pronoun, it's not the end of the world. Just apologize and say, I'm sorry, did what I meant to say this, or, you know, and I think we just have to have this sort of culture of openness and forgiveness and not of perfection. Yes, absolutely. It's not all about recall. So, you know, medical school, we just memorized and, and gave it back. And so now there's just so much out there. I'm just a very curious person. Curiosity stems from your awareness, right? It's like, I don't know everything about this. I'm still curious about it. So let me ask, can you give an example from your personal or work life of bias based on sex or gender? Assuming that women are always having anxiety related issues, women get packaged into that. So that's one of the unifying biases that I see that when women don't fit a particular pattern, it then become, you know, psychiatric or psychological. And so then that woman then thinks that that's true because that's what the doctor told her. It's really to the detriment of so many women that we don't fully understand how diseases manifest in their unique bodies. Yeah. How can that best be addressed or corrected? I think that I, I really feel as though everybody has a role that they can play. And so, for instance, if you are a, a peer reviewer, or an editor for a journal, making sure that you know both men and women are enrolled and making sure that they are analyzed based on sex. If you are um, part of an institutional review board, if you are part of a, a curriculum in health education, if you uh, aren't in any of those things, but you run a book club in your community, or you go see your doctor and you ask your doctor, this medication that you just prescribe for me, should I take a different dose or should I be aware of different side effects because I'm a woman? And that doctor may not know, but then they will feel empowered to actually look it up. I think it's not just always one person. We all have a role to play in this to, to try to get this to revolutionize in a, in a quicker way. I absolutely agree. Not that the onus is on the patient, but to be persistent and to ask the questions that you know as a patient need to be asked because you, you need them answered. So whatever it is that you need answered, if you ask it, then that does actually empower the doctor, as you just said, to answer. Do you have any final thoughts? We've fostered in medicine. The doctor tells the patient what to do. Empowering patients to be able to ask questions and to have a real conversation really helps. It helps them and it helps me take care of them, not necessarily having the onus, like you said, but empowering them to really take their own health and their own health record and the accuracy of it into account, I think would be just, it's beneficial. Yeah. That's, that's very important. I agree. Thank you so much for spending the time, for your thoughtful answers. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Same here. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed listening to your um, perspective as well. So thank you for having me.